Hey friends, welcome back to Misfits and Mystics podcast, where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. This is episode six, and today we're talking about mental health and how we manage our mental health as educators. We recorded this episode a week early. As you know, I've been preparing for Found Show, and this month especially has been so hectic. So we've been working ahead to ensure that we get content out to you every week this month. So some of the shameless plugs mentioned in this episode might have passed or be right on the dime by the time you get around to listening to the episode. So just to stay up to date uh, with things mentioned on shameless plug segments, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's where you can get the most immediate up to date uh, updates on the things that we're trying to promote on the show. You can also check out the links mentioned in the show description notes. And we also would love to hear from you. Keep the conversations going. You can reach us via email at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for a special message and enjoy the episode. Rise and shine. Give God the glory, glory. We're back. Okay. <laughs> I yes, we're here. <laughs> Y'all, she know I hate that song. So, <laughs> for those of you who don't know the song, Abra is going to do a, a opening selection. Yes. Rise and shine, and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord, (laughs) of the Lord. There's a whole bunch of other verses, but um, we won't get into that. It's about Noah's Ark, actually. Is it? Yeah, it's like the Lord told Noah to build him an arky, arky. Wow. Yeah, yep. I haven't heard all of that. Go on YouTube, look it up, be blessed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's me, Abra. And it's me, Mario. No, it's Alicia. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are recording this a little earlier than usual. Usually we record like at the end of the day. Um, the leash is like, I'm off work. Let's do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Get her done. Get her done. So yeah. Um, what's happening in your neck of the woods? How are you? Um, I am well, there is nothing happening except a great celebration going on this weekend for my birthday, which passed already. And my sister's birthday, which is coming up. This is the first time we're celebrating together. Our birthdays have been in March our entire life. Because, of course, your birthday doesn't change. But we've never celebrated together. So we decided at our old age <laughs> to celebrate together. So it should be a fun time. That's literally all I have going on, though. What about you? Oh, you know, 
we're two weeks out from the show. So when I don't have to be anywhere, I'm at home because I ain't trying to get sick. I ain't trying to get injured. So yeah, I've just I've just been dancing and on my hustle. Yeah. True. True, true. Yeah. So um today's topic we're talking about depression. And well not just depression, but any mental illness that one might have or struggle with. And in the midst of all that, you're a teacher. What do you do when you're teaching, when you're depressed or anxious or manic or whatever? So, and we're both teachers. So I figure we could talk about that. Let us do it. Mm. I feel like our energy is really low right now. Uh, and with this topic, I don't want to be low energy. Right. Okay. So we're going to amp it up. Yes. Well, I was trying to get you hyped up with my song, but... I, yeah, you know, that wasn't the choice for me. It just wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. You tried. Well, I did try. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be like that. Aren't we in the Mercury retrograde? Listen, baby, when I tell you this retrograde has been doing a number on me. Mm. Yeah, because isn't this the year it affects you, like the Pisces? Yes, exactly. Wow. And I, I've been good the past maybe two, three days. But like the first two days i felt it i felt that that second day baby i was on this couch crying like what is happening mm. it um um it's good because it, it really is about getting over all of the past stuff i realized that i deal with a lot of regret and that is what this retrograde is coming after digging up old stuff so that I can like fully heal. Um, but you know, that process is always uncomfortable. So I was like, yeah, I'm not trying to do this. But then I'm like, no, I'm trying to do this so I can really move forward and, you know, be the bad bitch that I am. Hey, yeah. I mean, I think for me, I don't know. I'm a Scorpio, so I'm just fucked up anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, yeah, but I feel like me personally, I'm not personally affected right now, energetically. It's like everybody around me. Mm -hmm. And, but because I'm such an, like, sort of an empath, I guess, mm -hmm. it just weighs on me so heavy. Right. Like, everything's so heavy all the time, and... I'm trying to work on protecting my energy, protecting my peace. But at the same time, I just care so much about everyone and I want to be there. So just it's this season, I guess, is about me continuing to find the balance of like 
giving myself while also like not giving a fuck. <laughs> I feel that. I really do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we're both teachers. You teach high school students. Mm-hmm. I teach all kinds of students. <laughs> <laughs> Because, well, I'm a dance teacher, so I have taught people anywhere between the age of, like, two years old to, like, adult ages. And it's so, it's such a wide range of ages and skill levels and which brings all sorts of develop, developmental, um, things to consider like obviously the way I teach my three-year-olds is going to be different than teaching an open adult class you know right I guess what I found is as I learn more about my mental health and really dive into my mental health journey I'm noticing how it affects me as a teacher because Sometimes I'm like really, really in a good place and I'm like, yeah, we got this, like going into class. But then there are, you know, times where I'm not really in a good place and I need a little more support. Mm -hmm. And there have been times where like I just had an anxiety attack or I'm really, really manic today or I'm really, really struggling with this situation, but I have to teach in 20 minutes. Right, right. And I don't really feel like it. So, you know, I'm sure you have similar <laughs> things with that. Absolutely. Especially my first year of teaching. It was a lot about figuring out how do I, um, I guess, manage myself while also managing other lives. Yeah, because... With teaching, it's not about you. It's about the students. And so you kind of have to be in this headspace of being able to give, you know, give your full self to the space and to the people that you're working with. And sometimes when your energy is low or you're just really in a headspace that isn't clear you know, it can be harder to access the things you need to access in order to, you know, teach a successful class, you know? Yeah. So I guess what, what are some of the experiences you've had when you're in the classroom with your students, but you're not, you know, maybe you're really struggling with depression or anxiety and you're struggling to get through the day, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so this is only my second year teaching. So my first year was really tough because I was already, before I started teaching, I was already in a depressive stage in my life. I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, so there was no like, oh, let me just, you know, you don't just stop it and be like, okay, well, I have to work. So this depression is over. <laughs> That's not how it works. So I was already going into it being this very depressed person who had been depressed for so long that I didn't 
know what I was like outside of depression. So that was hard because I'm like, I have to do my job, but then I'm also trying to figure out myself as a teacher because this is my first year and I've done other teaching jobs, like short-term jobs, but not like full-on position. Um, so trying to figure out how I am running my own classes, especially with the the school that I work at, every single class that I teach, I created all of those classes. I created my own curriculum. And so I'm trying to see like, you know, what it's just a lot of work that goes into teaching in general um, that only teachers would know. But then also being a first year teacher and trying to figure out, you know, that that whole thing. What are the boundaries that I need to set between my students um, especially in my school, because it's really comfortable and we are allowed to do things that um, teachers in traditional schools are not allowed to do. Um, and then just trying to deal with my own life, trying to learn how to leave my life outside as much as possible without coming into the school being a robot. Um, and then learning how to leave work at work when it's time to go home so that I have time to deal with my depression and like love on myself and do whatever else I need to do managing relationships all of that stuff so it was hectic it was very very hectic um and it was extremely hard because the people around me like I've never been one that's been afraid to talk about what I'm going through necessarily um especially if I feel comfortable with you but the people that were that were around me, one of the people, one of the people <laughs> who was uh, the closest around me, because I was familiar with them, I got mixed up with familiar and and knowing someone, and they did not understand anything that I was going through, and so that caused even more conflict in myself because I'm just like, am I tweaking? Like, <laughs> why doesn't this person get this? And then it was like feeling like they were kind of. Um, judging me for the way that I was handling things. I remember the, I think the first time I had a, a panic attack while at work, I, um, I was just sitting in the classroom and this person was sitting next to me and there were people all around me and I'm a very keep it together type person. And so everything was going on. And this is also where I realized that I, I might possibly have like sensory issues or something. Um, or there's just times where I'm very sensitive to it. Um, and so when I say there was so much noise, like people around me talking from every direction, a million conversations, then students are trying to play music on their phone. It was just way too many sounds going on. And so I got extremely overwhelmed, but I was trying to keep it together. And I'm literally in the middle of conversation, talking, smiling, but in my head, panicking, like spazzing out. And so then I just got to a point where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm about to like have a meltdown. So I just need to leave this room because I don't want to alarm anyone. I'm also, a, you know, handle it myself type person. So, <laughs> so I was just like, let me just leave the room. But I think this was the first time that I like had a panic attack on this level where I was scared, scaring myself. Um, and so I went into another room, a classroom that was empty and I closed the doors and the lights were off and I was just kind of trying to breathe and, and just talk myself through it and kind of just like praying a little bit. Um, 
but I was really worried about myself. Um, and so I text that person who was near me, who I thought would understand. And they didn't, they came into the room with me. So that was, that was good. But that was the, the, um, the moment that I realized this person didn't understand and that I would have to figure out other ways, excuse me, other ways to manage this because I can't just like have everything and everybody shut down. I just have to figure this out. Um, so, I mean, I guess that led me to be more open about it, but that didn't end it for the rest of the year because I was dealing with so much in my personal life. Um, it was really hard sometimes to separate me being at work and the things that were going on in my life. I couldn't like shut my brain off sometimes. And so I had plenty more panic attacks at work, sometimes literally in the classroom, just sitting in front of students and like anxiety is choking me and nobody knows. So it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. So compared to like then, how do you feel now? Like generally, like when you are in those spaces of feeling panic and distress, you know, is there, would would you say like entering your second year of teaching, is there a difference now in how you handle it, how other people respond? Yeah. Um, I would say that I'm less concerned about my students um, and more open to support. So if I am in a space, which I haven't been um, in such a panic like I just described, I haven't been in a panic like that in a while. Uh, Well, actually I was last week, (laughs) but it literally didn't happen (laughs) until the students left and it came out of nowhere. And I was like, what is this? I have not felt this in a long time. What is happening? So I, I, you know, work was over. So I just left and went over to my friend's house and she helped me through it. Um, So shout out to you. Um, But still, when I'm just feeling overwhelmed in general, because that's usually what it is now, um, I have certain coworkers. I've, you know, learned what spaces are comfortable and or just open for me to to be in that space just to get away. Um, And so, I don't know, like I said, I, I haven't been in that space with the students, but I'm just not as concerned about being there all the time. My first year, I was so, so worried about like being there, like literally showing up to work, but also just like showing up. And that was really, really hard on some days where I'm like, I don't have it in me. But, like, I have to do this. I I was kind of sacrificing myself. Um, And so, luckily, I have an amazing supervisor who is extremely compassionate and caring and understanding. Um, Because we had a conversation when we had a check-in last year. And I told him, I'm not, I don't feel the need to take off work all the time or much at all, actually. But I'm like, I have all of these like (laughs) free days, sick days and hours I've accumulated where I can take off work. But like I I noticed that I was like scared to take off work because I I don't know. I feel like I need to like carry the whole school on my own shoulders for some reason. Um, 
And part of that is because my um, coworker, he has kids, he has a wife. And so he would be out of school, um, not a whole lot, but quite often. Um, and so I was just always worried about what he had going on. So if he, you know, like, like, okay, so basically a normal person, let me not say normal as if I'm not normal or anybody's normal. Fuck that. That's not what I mean. <laughs> Usually when people have things going on, so if you have mental health things going on and you work at a job that supports that, because I did ask that in my interview before I got this job, how did they see mental health? And they said, we see it just as important as any type of health. So if you need to take a day off for your mental health, you have permission to do so. I made that made sure that was known at the very beginning before I even took the job. So that wasn't the issue. It was me holding myself back. So if I know that I need to take a day off, instead of just saying like, hey, I need this day off, I would be like, oh, so-and-so, what do you have going on tomorrow? Is everything okay in your family? Like checking in with him and it's just like, bro, if you need the day off, you need the day off. Bump what everybody else got going on. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I was always just like, well, if he, if he isn't here and I'm not here, then the students are left with blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, yeah, that's true. And sometimes that is still an issue. Um, and that was part of why I was so frustrated last week. Um, but at the end of the day, like, it's the same thing that just goes for life in general. Like, I can't be so concerned about everybody else. And that's, I honestly, that's a huge lesson within my mental health in general. Like, I'm always so concerned about everybody else. And then, not to say that people aren't concerned about me, but it's just like the reality is people are concerned about themselves. So when you're concerned about everybody else and everybody else is concerned about themselves, then it seems like nobody's concerned about you. So then you get into the space of like, oh, well, y'all don't care about me. And it's just like, that's not the reality. You just got to, you know, carry yourself because that's what they're doing. Yeah. And that's what we all just need to do. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree with that. Um and I see a lot of myself in what you were saying because, well, you know me. <laughs> um, I am that type of person that is so concerned about everybody yeah. else and wanting to make sure that everybody has what they need at the expense of my own well-being. Right. Um, I get into this headspace of, well, nobody else is stepping up to the plate. Somebody has to, mm-hmm. so I will. Yep. You know, but I I'm learning too that when we do that all the time, we don't give other people opportunities and permission to step up to the plate, to make it even and allow ourselves to love on ourselves. And if we can't love on ourselves, then we're teaching other people how we want to be treated Mm -hmm. by the way we treat ourselves. So if we're always, you know, being the martyr and, you know, being this like Jesus figure, like here I am to sacrifice my life for you all the time, then people will just be like, Oh, well, Abra's, just going to step up and I don't have to worry about it as opposed to like you said carrying your own and holding people accountable to their stuff 
and you being accountable for your stuff. <laughs> um, I think that is probably a big major component, regardless of if you have like a clinical diagnosis or not. I think that is a huge component to how we manage our mental health in general, but especially when we work in a profession like as educators, because it is such a, it's very taxing on the mind, on the spirit, on the body. Um, because like like we said, it's not just our lives, but like our students' lives that are in our hands. And um, if we're not okay, then we can't, um, it's hard to foster and nurture the students to be okay. Um, so I've learned that I need to be okay in order for me to put my best self forward when I'm, you know, commanding a space. Um, but one thing that you were saying is you're not so concerned about your students, like, always having to be there. Um, I think it's also good to point out that we're teachers, but we're also human beings. And it's it's okay to be a human being. Sometimes you can't show up. Sometimes you do show up, but that's like the bare minimum. Literally. I'm L- here. <laughs> listen to me. When I say I've shown up, that's what I started doing. Um, last year when there were days and sometimes weeks that were so hard. I remember I had one week I showed up to work every single day, but my mental health was so bad. I showed up and I was coloring. I was sitting in the class with my students, but I was coloring and I'm like, listen, I'm right here. If y'all need me, call my name. I will prefer you to come to me, but if I need to come to you, I will. But otherwise I can't do anything else. I'm just here enjoying my coloring book. Yep. And that's all I got yeah, for you. I mean, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure, I am sure, I am sure, surely positive that there are probably some people listening to this right now going, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> because there is this uh, unrealistic expectation of teachers that we are these, like you said, we're these robots that are always ready on command. And because we're working with children, you know, you have to, you have to be pretty much close to perfect. And what do you mean you're just sitting here and doing the bare minimum? This is my child, Mm -hmm. you know, these are our children that we're talking about. And so, I mean, I want to make it clear that no one's saying that you just get to slack off every time you're having a bad day, but I have found that, especially with the age group that you're with, and I work a lot with high school students as well, so they're at the mental capacity now where they're starting to understand the complexities of the world and of people. And I have found that when I can be a little vulnerable with them, it opens the door to create a safe space for them to be vulnerable with me. And I think we get so obsessed with 
wanting kids to learn only from our success. We don't allow ourselves to teach through our failures and through our struggles. It causes them to create like a hero in us that doesn't really exist. Um, And they get to a point where they like worship this like shell of a person that they've created in their minds because all we show them is like the good stuff. And then they grow up and they go into the world and they go through their own struggles and they don't know how to handle it because, you know, we just model to them that the only way to be a prosperous adult is to just be happy all the time and um, be super successful, but that's not reality. And I think showing them the full reality of who we are helps them accept the full reality of who they are. And whenever I am like, look, Miss Abra is not perfect. Sometimes I have shitty days. Sometimes I'm not my best self. And sometimes you're going to see my mistakes and it's not always going to be pretty, but you'll also see how I overcome those things, which will hopefully teach you what you're capable of in overcoming your stuff. You know, it's a, it's, it's not teaching isn't like an authoritative dictatorship where I just command that you do this or else. I find that teaching is all about, it's about learning. And as a teacher, I never stop learning. I learned so much from my students as well. This is about mutual learning, mutual respect, mutual growth. And I think we do ourselves a disservice as educators and most importantly, our students a disservice when we are so consumed with making sure that we present ourselves in a perfect way when frankly, everybody else in the situation gets to be a fuck up, (laughs) but us, you know, the parents get to come in with their imperfections um, and their complexities. And I am supposed to, you know, meet them with grace trying to meet them where they are. My students come into the space with their imperfections and complexities. I also try to meet them with grace. And I think teachers deserve the same courtesy from parents, from students, administrators, and people in the community because at the end of the day, we're just people doing our best. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Do you... What So you said that your school is super supportive of mental health, which I think is awesome um, because I, I've mostly worked in the private sector, like with dance studios. So as like an independent contractor, and so there's like not much protections when it comes to being able to feel safe to disclose those things a lot of times. Um, And even if I did, it's kind of like, I think because in a lot of dance studios, 
like a lot of studios that I've worked in that have been smaller. So really like it's me and the owner and maybe one other person on staff. And so there's limited uh, resources in the sense of I can't just take this day off because, you know, then we got to find a sub and or we have to cancel class and, you know, people are actually paying money for this class. And so, you know, I definitely felt like the martyr, like I have to show up even when like I'm don't even know if I can get out of bed today you know um so yeah I don't know do you do you think do you think it would be different if you were working in like a traditional school or like the limited time that you had access to a traditional school because I know you did like student teaching you know in a public school Um, Do you feel like if you were working in that environment, you would be met with the same compassion? Um, So there are pros and cons to both situations. So my job, like I said, they do support um, taking care of one's mental health. But we also are a very small staff and we don't have, like I said, we're not a traditional school. And so we don't have that pool of um, substitute teachers to call on. So when someone is missing in a certain area, we have to call on staff from areas that they don't even work in to step in and help out. Um, so that's also another level of that that worry about what other people have going on. Because, I mean, you can step in and, and be the type of sub, you know, we can call on one of the case managers to be the type of sub that's like, you know, just kind of there supervising, which, for my job, they need supervision more than anything because they don't know how to act. But um, it's different with me being there and actually being able to help them with, you know, writing this research paper or I don't do the math stuff, but, you know, <laughs> my coworkers helping with, you know, math and, and things of that sort. Um, so there's that part. So that's a, that's a, I'm saying that that's a con, that it it's harder to take off even though they do support it because I'm like, well, we don't have anybody to call on. Um, As opposed to a traditional school, most traditional schools have a pool of substitutes, whether it's just for their school or, you know, like CPS, there are people who are part of the substitute pool, which is like a bunch of people you can call just at any moment, like, hey, this teacher is out. We need somebody to come in today and do this. Um, The only thing that I'll say is, if I was in a traditional school, um, I I think I would be less inclined to say why I'm taking off. I think I would be I would be more likely to just say that I'm sick. So it's it's kind of that that thing of like being completely honest in what it is. Um, but either way, both situations. If you need to take off, you need to take off. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on what you yeah. want. That that honestly is um, a worry of mine when it comes to whenever I go to a traditional school that, um, not that I won't be able to take off, but I won't be able to be as open about, you know, why I need time off. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say in general, just with any job, not just with teaching jobs, we're still in a culture where it's difficult to relay that information to your boss and have that dialogue, especially when your issues aren't always visible. I find that for me, as I've developed into an adult, a lot of my symptoms aren't always super visible or noticeable to people. And part of that is because of the misinformation about mental illnesses in general that people have. I think people just assume that if you have a mental illness, it looks like the super like sad, depressed girl on Tumblr with her dark tears and, you know, or that we're just in these streets, like being super destructive and disruptive. Um, and I, I blame that a lot on how mental health is represented in the media. Um, partnered with the lack of comprehensive education about mental health in our schools and in our communities. So when you have piss poor representation and partnered with ignorance, um, it's hard to tell. Like, like you said, you had to ask, you know, in your interview, how do you guys feel about mental health and what kind of accommodations could I receive, you know, for taking care of my mental health versus like everybody knows when it comes to physical illness, like if you wake up with a fever, everybody knows you should call off (laughs) because one, you're contagious and two, like you're sick, you should take care of yourself so that you can come back and be super productive, you know, at your job. Um, If you were diagnosed with something like cancer or a chronic illness, a chronic physical illness that, you know, impacts your daily life, most people, I mean, I don't want to assume that everybody's in this situation, but the general sentiment is it's reasonable to communicate with your job and let them know what's going on with your health and see if they can provide you with some sort of accommodation, whether it's giving you some time off or, you know, giving you a safe space to take care of your health when you need it, when you are at work. But when it comes to mental health, because those things aren't always super visible, people, you either need to display some form of quote unquote craziness for them to believe that, you know, there is something actually going on with you. But then when they, but I guarantee if they saw you acting crazy, uh, (laughs) people would question your ability to do your job. So it's kind of like a lose-lose situation. And I would say that there's still a lot of people who have, have a perspective about mental health that isn't super... Uh, inviting or progressive or conducive to the reality of what one deals with if they have a mental illness. And 
it's kind of like, well, I need this job. So <laughs> I have to do everything I can to make sure that I have it all together. Um, but what we don't realize is that when we do that, in the long run, it all catches up to us. And then we kind of hit this peak point where all we can do is self-destruct anyway. So I guess for me, I am in a place where I'm trying to find, trying to find that balance of how to have those conversations with people at work, particularly, you know, the boss. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's, I also, I don't know how you feel about this. I think for me, when I first got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, one of the things that worried me the most was immediately I thought to myself, oh no, I'll never teach again because of the stigma. And I was like, man, um, because I literally felt crazy in that moment. And I thought to myself, who would want to hire someone who has all these crazy thoughts in their head and has a history of participating in self-destructive behaviors and yeah, who would just want to hire a crazy person, you know, who does that? And it worried me because, you know, you're working with children and people are super protective of what children are exposed to. And I would think, you know, what if I have a manic episode while I'm at work? What if like, like you were talking about the sensory issues, like that is a huge thing with me when I'm anxious or manic, you know, and what if, what if I have a psychotic break and the kids like see that, you know, um, just those, those fears. Um, but I think what I realized is that that could happen if you don't take the steps to take care of yourself. <laughs> um, but once I, you know, got into therapy and found a rhythm with medication and really honed in on the tools to make sure that, you know, my moods were managed. Now I'm to a point where it's kind of like that could happen, but even if that does happen, it's not, it's not the worst thing because like I said, I think in my opinion, it's important for students to know that these things exist. Um, and hopefully the school or wherever I'm teaching like has a plan or some type of resource involved to make sure that like things are still running smoothly, even if I'm not able to continue on for that day or however long it takes for me to get well again. Um, and thankfully I've not had like any sort of crazy outburst or psychotic break <laughs> at work. I have had moments of anxiety like you described um, at work and students have been in the room. Luckily I've been in a place where 
I was able to remove myself or kind of finesse the lesson enough to where uh, the students were still being taken care of while I, I, while I was also able to uh, kind of get myself to stability long enough for me to get away and really, you know, get myself back to a stable place. But yeah, I don't know. I guess now people are going to listen to this podcast and they know. Um, so ha. <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. Um, I guess this is like me. Yeah. Well, you know, but I don't know. And like I said, things are not always so visible. And sometimes people, sometimes people interpret certain behaviors and attitudes. as just like, oh, that person is mean or, you know, like, oh, you're, you have Miss So-and-so. She's so mean. She's such a bitch. Like, but sometimes, you know, anxiety and depression and other things, like they manifest in a form of being, mean or dismissive or closed off and I feel like there's a lot of people that have things like going untreated or unaddressed and um which is why I feel like it's just better for us to just be honest about what's going on so that everybody knows how they can be a better support to you it's not to say that in no way am I saying that this students need to bear our burdens at all but I think all the adults involved like administrators and other co-workers you know should kind of have better plans and resources in place for the teachers because even if you don't have a mental illness like teaching is very hard and there's a there's a lot going on. Um, one of my best friends is an elementary school teacher, and you know I have definitely seen her in a place of high stress. And um, in addition to all the other things she has going on in her personal life, and I could totally see like things just getting to be too much, where you need to take a step back and take care of yourself so I don't know I guess that segues me into talking about like what would you like to see better like done better like what does in a perfect world what does it look like for teachers managing their job their life and their mental health all at the same time it's hmm. a good question um I mean, first thing that comes to mind is the fact that, like, schools like to have so many meetings, like, so many meetings, and it gets very annoying. Um, And I feel like if we're going to spend that much time together, instead of talking about these things that we could have just, you know, put in the group chat or an email, why not have this time for some like teacher self-care like we can have speakers come in I would rather hear a speaker talking about better ways to you know support yourself and to um, do some self-care throughout your day as you're going along teaching and doing your job 
how to manage stress while you're in the heat of stress. You know, things that really like matter to forwarding the teacher, which ultimately forwards the school. Um, then to sit and talk about what this one student did for the 12th time. Like, why are we still talking about this? I'm over mm-hmm. it. So um, that or let me be free. <laughs> Give me more free time. Honestly, I think it will be uh, an amazing thing to to put in every school's um, school calendar a day of teacher appreciation where either it's, if we're in school, then students, staff, everybody is banding together to like celebrate the hell out of teachers and love on us or we just have a day off and there's no school. Just, you know. So you're saying like teacher appreciation week should be more than just like, here's our social media posts about how much we love teachers, but like actually you know, take exactly. care of us. <laughs> Buy my lunch for the entire yeah. week. Bring in, you know, they have the people, the the masseuse that, you know, bring in the, the chairs and they just unfold their chair and everything. You know, have that in the teacher's mm-hmm. lounge so you can get a massage. Or, I don't know, bring in substitute teachers for the whole day and just let us come in and be pampered. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going kind of, you know, just way <laughs> off now. But still, like things that actually make us feel physically feel and see the appreciation as opposed to just like, oh, here's a post. Here's a announcement over the intercom. We appreciate you. Thanks. Even though you treat me like shit every other day, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think also better pay. Hello? So, Hello? Let them and know. It's not just, and it's, you know, because um, it costs money to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And not just, like, the self-care. People think, like, self-care is just, like, getting your nails done, getting a massage. No, like, self-care is also, like, dealing with your shit and one of the ways that you can deal with your stuff is seeing a therapist Mm -hmm. um but that costs money and yes there are low and reduced free options but uh, there's only so much that some therapists can do to the point where you may have to seek some extra support that has a specialized sort of training or licensure and that costs money (laughs) and so if teachers you know if you have to decide my light bill versus (laughs) my therapy session you know well we need lights exactly so (laughs) i i just i hate to see people struggle so much because they can't afford to get the help that they need. Yeah. And so I think with teachers, like we all know that teachers, especially with the, what teachers are asked to do, not paid nearly as much because you're not just teaching. Like you're those kids therapists, you're their mother, like literally everything, you know, it's not like, a typical job like you show up nine like you show up at nine o'clock you leave at five o'clock and you get to leave 
your job there. Like I said, my one of my best friends is an elementary school teacher. I have spent many times at her place, like visiting her, helping her grade math tests and spelling tests. Like she brings her, sometimes she has no choice but to bring her job back with her at home. Um, and then she's, you know, spending hours and hours planning uh, her lessons and her units and preparing for uh, her classes to be observed and preparing for parent-teacher conferences. And then because she's in elementary school, like, you know, every time at the top of the year, she has to make sure her classroom is decorated and organized accordingly. And, you know, just there's all these other things that go into play that are beyond the during like during school hours. And, you know, even like my experience working with high school students, uh, shout out to uh, my good friend Stacy, who teaches in high school, teaches at an art school. So she's is there, you know, anywhere from 8 a.m. to 9 o'clock at night because she has to oversee rehearsals or conduct rehearsals and make sure the kids have, re- have everything they need and providing them with resources um, to enhance their arts education and experiences. And it's kind of like, seeing that and also her balancing her own life and her own passions, you know, it can be a lot. And so it's most jobs, like they pay you overtime when they ask you to come overtime, but teachers, they don't get paid for all the extra things that they do outside of school, whether it's them volunteering to sponsor a club or run some type of program or even getting on the phone to talk to you parents about why your kid is struggling in my class. It's like, they don't get paid for that. So I think, you know, just the logistical like money thing could probably help a lot. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) More More funding in schools so that schools can actually provide you with resources that cultivate self-care you know because like what you were saying those are all good ideas but i guarantee you if you like told somebody that they'd be like where are we gonna get the money to do exactly. you know <laughs> everything goes back to, to money do all of that yeah um i've said this so many times like i live in nashville and you know people are ready more ready to put money into a soccer field and gentrifying our neighborhoods than they are to put money in public schools. So, (laughs) and I think everybody's so caught up in like, oh, we need to fund our schools so that the kids can pass the test. But life is so much more than that. And everyone is so up in arms about, you know, well, it's the teachers. I'm like, maybe if you took care of the teachers, the teachers could take care of the kids. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. Like I said before, if I'm not okay, then I can't make sure that my kids are okay. Yeah. It's literally the same thing as parenting. When parents struggle, the kids struggle. And it's that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that 
your students have an awareness or understanding about mental health? Like, what are some of the conversations? Oh, gosh. You know, what what does some of those conversations look like with your kids? Because, you know, our generation, I feel like it just wasn't really talked about much at all in formal settings and also just amongst our peers. But now we're, I feel like we're moving towards a climate where like at least people are acknowledging mm-hmm. it and like putting names to it. Yeah. What? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I absolutely love my students. But when I tell you, they stress me out. (laughs) And I say that because anytime anyone asks me like, oh, what do your students feel about this? It usually is mostly just really wild and unnecessary comments. So the one thing I can say is that some of them, well, a lot of them are aware that, um, you know, of things that have to do with mental health. Um, and I, I mean, basic, literally just like, I know what mental health is. I know that there's depression. I know that there's, there's anxiety. And then this is where we get into the, um, me shaking my head, holding my head, trying to find the patience to teach them that, anything outside of what you know does not automatically equate to crazy because you know they're just ignorant to a lot of other things and so like they'll know what you know schizophrenia is so they'll know what bipolar is but they I don't know they just like couple things as like depression and anxiety because they're so widely talked about especially now are normal Everything else is like, oh, yeah, he crazy. She crazy. And it's just like, bro, (laughs) no, don't, no. So they're kind of aware. Definitely definitely need some more awareness and um, teachings on respect. Um, But they're aware. We had, for Valentine's Day, we had a panel of people come in from different um, community organizations. And one of them was a program that is focused on mental health. And um, so that was good because they got, you know, some more insight on things that they possibly didn't know. And one of the things that they did for the panel was um, our interns who put the whole program together, they would read off some myths um, that a lot of people, you know, usually go along with and and then allow the person the professional who was there to debunk that myth and talk more about it um so it was interesting to hear some of those conversations um and just you know to be there while they were learning those things but there's definitely so much more learning to do so so much more yeah i would like to eventually see some type of curriculum that is specifically focused on educating students about mental health and not just the like uh 
very surface level stuff that might be mentioned in a health class um but really going into depth about you know what mental health looks like even outside of you know uh actual mental disorders but just in general how the brain works how our emotions Mm -hmm. work and different ways that you can take care of yourself and also not just with taking care of yourself but how you can support others because I mean I am a person that has a mental illness but I also have people in my family I also have really close friends that also have a a mental illness and so I'm I also play the role of caretaker sometimes a lot of times and just as much as I had to educate myself about what was going on with me, I've had to do the work to educate myself about what's going on with them and what they need and how I can be a better support for them so that they can stay well and, you know, prosper. Um, and so I would love to see that be a regular thing and not just a here's a special panel or a program (laughs) that it just kind of just be normalized in our education spaces because you know we are emotional beings and I think it's time that we really acknowledge that and incorporate that into our daily lives yeah (laughs) otherwise we continue to build generations that are very confused about what's wrong with them you know when you don't you Mm -hmm. don't see other people experiencing things very normal things once it happens to you then one it's seen as not normal you think that something's wrong with you you think that you're quote-unquote crazy and you know you don't want to talk about it don't want to get help it's you know it just it's just too much and um yeah I try to make it as normal as possible and that's really why I am so open with talking about mental health, mental illness, um, just in general, but definitely when it definitely when it comes to myself. So, like when we had that panel, um, I asked a personal question. I was telling the the lady that um, that I take anxiety meds and mm-hmm. I should be getting off soon, um, according to like you know the plan that my doctor wants me to follow. And so I was just wondering if she could tell me about what is the process like weaning off of a drug because I've never, this is my first time being on it. Um, And I'm like, of course, you know, my doctor will tell me what the process is like, but for the sake of this setting, in case there are other people who, I mean, a lot of my students have take medication for different things. um, And then some of them need to be on medication. They've never been on it before, but, you know, they have diagnoses and they they don't have medication so just for the sake of you know for all of us because i mean maybe somebody in here may go through that process or they may be like you said the support for someone who's going through that process like what does that look like and she wasn't necessarily able to give me a full answer because she was just like well it's different for everyone and you know lower your dosage and blah, blah 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 and all this stuff um but i wanted to ask that ask that question and put that out there one, so that they see how calm and normal I am about it. I don't feel any type of way. 
because the, the anxiety I was having before, I I love my medication, okay? <laughs> I think going into it, I was a little nervous just because I didn't know how it, how it would affect me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I didn't want people looking at me, um, people that I care about, because I don't care about nobody else, uh, people that I care about looking at me as um, – as like not being strong enough or, you know, going back to the whole Christian thing, like you're not relying on God and, you know, all of that. Um, but that, that wasn't the response I got at all. Um, but also I was in, once I talked to my doctor, shout out to my doctor, G, like when I tell you she is the greatest, she just, I don't know, she just knew that I was like nervous or something. And so when she put me on the medication, she like, put her hand on my shoulder and was just like, just so you know, it's okay. You don't have to be on it forever. There's nothing wrong with you. Some people just need it for a little while. And even if you are a person who ends up needing it for the rest of your life, then it's still okay. Like this is very normal and it's all good. And literally like her just saying those few things just like relieved me. Anyway, back to what I was originally saying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's important to be open about it. Um, and the more that you're open about it, the more that more comfortable you'll become, which makes people more comfortable, which is just a general thing. When people are comfortable, then other people are comfortable. Like you just have to create the atmosphere of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. If we're just open, <laughs> then more people will be open and people will get the help that they need, or at the very least know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very encouraging to hear. I admire you so much. Like, as an educator, like, obviously, you're a good teacher. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's super encouraging to know that, like, even though you have your struggles, like, you're in a place that is pretty safe and open for you to do what you need to do to stay well and to keep growing, you know, as a teacher while also being able to take care of yourself in the way that you need to do that. Cause not everybody is as fortunate. Um, yeah. And I always admire your honesty. Um, we need more of it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I, um, yeah. I think I mentioned it before. Um, Oh, maybe that was when we were talking. Okay. Anyway. So um, there's a program that I actually have used and I'm not sure that all schools have it. um, But if you are an educator in um, a school, um, there's a program called the employee assistance program, EAP. Um, And it is counseling and referral services designed to help employees and family members with a wide range of personal concerns. And so for most people who have this program in their schools, well, it's not in the school, but it's, you know, in conjunction with the school. um, It's specifically for teachers and administrators, people who work in schools, and they have um, a certain amount of free counseling sessions. So like I said, I've used it before. Um, because I was about to go to counseling. This was last year. I was about to go to counseling and I realized that I no longer had, um, insurance. 
when I tell you almost just like I was yeah I was sad um (laughs) um because I didn't realize that I didn't renew my insurance and so in this in between time I was like yo I need I need therapy I need to talk to somebody and it had nothing to do with work so the services are supposed to be like you know specifically for work but at the same time then they realized that like you know your outside life does affect your work life and so some of the topics that they have are stress, man- stress management, work concerns, conflict resolution, parenting support, marital and relationships, anxiety and depression, substance abuse, work-life balance, domestic violence, grief and loss. And then they go into um, a completely different set of services that have to do with like legal consultations, financial consultations, identity theft, elder care, nutrition, exercise. So there's a lot of different areas that you can um, receive support as a person who works in a school setting there is no cost to use eap services as i said before it is an ongoing counseling or specialized treatment if it's recommended that you need more sessions than you know what you're provided i believe for my job it was i think i had five free sessions um which is pretty decent um if it's recommended that you need more sessions depending on what's going on, then your therapist can actually call the program and say like, hey, I've been through all the sessions with this person, but you know, I would like more time with them and they'll literally just extend it and they have like money that they grab from, you know, whatever their stuff is. The program has it all set up where they'll keep, you know, paying for it. Um, or they might have to tap into your insurance or something, depending on what your situation is. Um, but if you need that i would definitely say check to see if your job if your school has an eap program because it is super useful and i'm about to call them again because once your that's the good thing once your five sessions run out for whatever you originally went in for you can call again and set up another five sessions for something completely different so you can use this as many times as possible um you just have to change it up a little bit, even if you are going in for something else. So I think I went in and I, I said that it was like um, anxiety and depression, which it was. But once I got there, then I told her more specific, like, hey, I am having trouble with this. So, yeah. Just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I That is amazing. I feel like I don't know, in a perfect world, every job, every setting, especially if you're working in an educational setting, whether it's in a public specter or private specters, sector, wow, <laughs> I can't talk. Um, um, whatever, whatever space you're in, I feel like every job should have some sort of resource, even if it's just to be able to refer you right. to someone that can help you get the help that you need. Um, and like I said, you know, it kind of comes back to money, like how are we going to pay for this? But I don't know, call me a socialist if you <laughs> want to, but I just feel like if we all put in something, then we can all get a little mm-hmm. something too. And so I feel like, and also I'm, I'm kind of going my, on my soapbox, but it's like, what we prioritize and what we make important is what 
is going to get like the mm-hmm. most support. So when we make our mental health a priority, when we make f- funding programs that support our mental health a priority, then we'll get yeah. the support. We'll get the money. There's billionaires all over the world. And there are people, just regular people who have money to like help fund. Like if we all pool our resources together, we can all help each other. I think it's when we, you know, we are the stories that we tell ourselves. So we tell ourselves the narrative that there's no money, that there's no support, that the things that we want and the things that we need are impossible to get when that's simply not true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I commend spaces that are offering uh, support systems like that. So yeah, if you're a teacher, get on that, check on that. Um, Cause y'all know you need it. <laughs> Cause yeah, you were talking about even just like legal services, like that's awesome because you never know what's going on in people's lives. And I don't know, I feel like it's the least they can Honestly. do. <laughs> Give us a little something extra. Yeah, a little something. Well, this was great. I have one more thing that I wanted to share. Um, okay. So again, my first year teaching was quite the doozy. <laughs> um, so yeah, when we started talking, I thought about um, a friend that I was really close to during my first year teaching who also was in school. Um, getting you know certified to to be a teacher at the time um, I sent her a text one day and I actually saved that text like I you know took a screenshot of it so I wanted to read it so <clears throat> it says you know what's really interesting to me growing through growing up it's like there are things we sometimes equate to childhood but once you become an adult and you see those things you see that those things either aren't changing or they develop when you've gotten older, it can be very frightening. Thinking about anxiety and how as an adult it's gotten worse for me when before I didn't even know what it was, but I've always experienced it. It's really important to teach kids about the realities of coping and self-care because without the understanding that everyone is coping in some way, we are left to think that we're crazy or that we're doing life wrong. When really everyone is just quiet about their struggles because they were left thinking that you should grow out of certain things as well. I love public speaking. It literally gives me life to be able to stand in front of people and share information, teaching. But sometimes it gives me anxiety. So I'm now at this place as a first year teacher, learning how to navigate who I am and what I struggle with at times just to do my job. Luckily, I have a job placement that has been supportive through what I didn't foresee happening and is helping me find ways to face anxiety in order to do what I need to do. I don't have to run from it or be angry that I'm experiencing it because at the end of the day, I know what I'm doing and I'm good at it. Instead of canceling a lesson or pushing it back or overworking myself further into a hole because I feel some anxiety, I decided to come poop (laughs) before I teach my lesson. Right now, this is what I need in order to ground myself and get on with it. I think that's dope that I can push through and understand my adulthood. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that because I I remember that day specifically being one of those days um, 
where I had been really, really dealing with anxiety, like back to back every single day. And I was starting to question if I should even be teaching. I'm just like, maybe this is too much for me to even be in this, in this setting. And not even just the school that I'm at, but just in a school setting at all. Um, I was like, literally, I remember being in the, in the bathroom, I think the day before crying and just being like, God, why would you put me in this place while I also have all these other things going on? Like, I, I can't deal with this. Um, but that next day was a time for me to see that, like, no, that's not the case. That's not true. I'm, I'm good at what I do. And in spite of, you know, whatever else I have going on, it's all just about learning how to navigate yourself and navigating the spaces that you're in and knowing that it's absolutely possible for you to overcome. And some days are harder than others, but, you know, that doesn't mean that you aren't in the right space. Yes. Yes, to all of it. That's powerful. Yeah, that was great to go back and to. And why do I say what a, what a beautiful writer you are? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, seriously though. But yeah, like just yes to all of that. It's yes, navigating through it all. Finding the ways that help you best cope and get grounded again so that you can move forward. And I especially love what you said about us believing that we should just be able to grow out of things. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important because, you know, I think a lot of people think that when it comes to things like depression or anxiety or any sort of mental health issue that you may be dealing with, people just think, oh, that's like a a teenage angst Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, But then once you grow up, like, you should be over that by now. And, you know, oh, you're 20-something years old. You need to grow up and stop being so emotional. Mm -hmm. When the reality is, is that we're emotional beings. So I'm going to be emotional for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, (laughs) And while some people, neurotypical people, to be frank, uh, may be able to manage and cope with their emotions a little bit better than those of us who aren't neurotypical. Some of us, it it's 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 a it's a lifelong process. I have bipolar disorder, and until some magical science breakthrough happens I will have bipolar disorder for the rest of my life and there is no amount of growing up (laughs) that is going to change that the growing up might help aid in how I manage Mm -hmm. this but it's still there and because I'm a human being I'm going to have seasons of my life where I am perfectly fine. And then there are going to be other times in my life where it's a total shit show. And I think no matter how old or young I am, 
you know, it's just there. And I think it's so important for people to realize that some things you won't grow out of, you'll just grow into. Yes. That was (laughs) a great way to put that. Yeah. You grew into the knowledge and understanding that you struggle with anxiety and depression. And now you have the maturity to fully grasp what that is and what that means for your life. And you have taken the necessary steps to take control of your life and do what needs to be done in order to be able to be in a place to thrive in the midst of your deficits, I guess you could say. Um, And I think people just need to be a little, have a little more awareness that we all have our shit. Like you may not struggle with a mental illness. You may not have a diagnosed like mental illness, but we all struggle with something. Um, We all have things that have the potential to hold us back. And for us in this particular moment, it's mental illness. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't take away all of the other things that make us who we are and it doesn't take away all the things that we're capable of doing and you know we're teachers and we're damn good at it and you know we've been positioned to nurture and foster our students and god willing we just keep doing it (laughs) so i'm proud of us and i'm proud of every other educator that I know or have had the honor of being in contact with that just keeps pushing forward despite like whatever it is that they're struggling with. Um, And I just like hope and pray that like educators everywhere can give themselves permission to remember that you're a human being first and your health is so, 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 so important. Um, And you got to, get to a place where you can be okay in order to really prosper um, in wherever your position to be. So, yeah, I just want to acknowledge you really quick and appreciate how amazing you are um, (laughs) dealing with mental illness and still being such, listen, y'all, when I tell you, Abra, like creativity is always just booming and like you you know you probably would say like it's not always but she sends me videos of like choreography she's working on where she's working on with her students and every single time I'm, I'm amazed I've always been a fan of her work because she moves in a way that not everybody moves she's very different um and I love it but I I know looking for me um my mental things a lot of times um, stifle me creatively. But for you, like, I don't know how you do it, but somehow you stay, like, tapped into yourself and you always produce, and I just have to acknowledge the greatness that you are. Oh, my gosh. Just stop it, why don't you? Everybody round of applause for Abra. <laughs> no, seriously, you're great though. I uh thank you. 
You're welcome. Um, yeah, I'm okay. I, I received that. I received Amen. that. Because you were struggling with that one. <laughs> She's like, um, um. Well, yeah, part of my journey is learning how to take compliments and receive the goodwill that people put towards me. Um, hello, emotions. How are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I don't know how I... Um, I mean, I definitely think there was a time in my life where I was so unstable that my creativity was stifled. Um, you probably don't remember much because we weren't as close as we are now then. But like in college, there was a season where I just like was not creating my best work. And it was really hard to, to get tapped in to that creative side because I was just so overwhelmed with all the other things that was happening inside my head. Um, and I think once I was able to get clarity on what was happening, I was able to understand it and I was able to use it um, to put towards my creativity. Um, I do have theories about certain like mental illnesses in relation to the arts and people's creative thought process I don't know maybe we could do a, an episode about that but in short like I think sometimes my mania is helpful <laughs> when it comes to my creative process like as a choreographer and even even as a teacher like sometimes the mania like energizes me in a way compared to when I'm super depressed. Um, I just have to make sure that the mania doesn't get to a point where it's like destructive. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think over the years I've learned to really like, it's almost like use the mania as a superpower instead of it being the enemy. Um, in some ways it's a gift. And I know that's very controversial to say. Um, and don't go around and tell your bipolar friends that their bipolar is a gift. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> um, cause it's, yeah, it's different for yeah. everybody. But for me, um, I've, I've learned to take this weapon and use it as a tool. Um, yeah, I don't know how I do it. I just, I just do it. <laughs> And you do it well. Yeah. I honestly uh people like you help me like ha having people in my life that are super supportive and um that encourage me to keep going, people that challenge me. Um, like you're definitely one of my friends that challenges me um to like the ends of the earth. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. Y'all, we're all hunky dory on the podcast, but there have been seasons where Alicia and I, you know, yeah, friendship, <laughs> friendship, <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm great. I'm so grateful for all of it um, because that helps inform me, like, 
where I need to be. And as an artist, like it's super important to be self-aware. So, you know, I think for you, Alicia, like you're, you're at like the tipping point now where you're, you're in a place where you're understanding yourself more and getting getting to a place where you can be more stable and I think like now you're at a point where you can start learning how to like hone in those Mm -hmm. things and like like I said use them as a tool use them as a as a place of of, a source of like measuring where you are so that you know how and when to tap into that creativity when you need it and some of it might just be like opportunity like I think I've just been fortunate to be in spaces that allow me to really tap in um, because I do know what it's like. I guess when I've been in spaces where I felt like super stifled, it's not just because of what's going on with me mentally or emotionally, but it's also the environment mm. that I'm in. Um, it's it's all of it. So, but you're great. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Thank you. Um, like you have, you have so much greatness inside of you. Like I love working with you, especially in movement. I miss working with you a lot in movement because you should see my face right now. Um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I just, because you have an understanding about yourself, your body, your soul, because a lot of my work, it's not just about the body, but it's about the soul. And you know how to tap in to that soul stuff. (laughs) And I would say that we're very equally yoked. (laughs) She said, (laughs) you know, had to throw in a little Christianese right. <laughs> there. Um, yeah, we're very much, now I go into my woo side, we're very much in alignment in that way. So, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it without people like you because, yeah, it's not it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take the I credit. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we're we are foolish. <laughs> <laughs> this is our life. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we should wrap up and let's you know dive right into shameless plug. This is the time where we promote ourselves or people that we know that are doing great things. Um. So, who wants to start? You shall start. Okay. Um, I wanted to shout out an old friend, Tristan Parks. Um, we went to high school together, and he has grown into a wonderful, beautiful artist. Um, so, he is actually having a show in North Carolina. Um, So I will just read the flyer. Um, It's with Young, Gifted, and Broke. Um, They're doing a workshop series. 
and I guess he's part of it. And so he is presenting his dance theater piece, which is entitled They Do Not Know Harlem in Communion with James Baldwin, which if you don't know who James Baldwin is, get your life, get on the Google, be blessed. (laughs) Um, But yes, he is doing... He's doing a show based on, you know, James Baldwin. Um, It's an immersive dance theater piece that explores the intersection of blackness, queerness, and home through the eyes of transatlantic commuter and seer who has seen much. James Arthur Baldwin, as we voyage through the constructs of home, we must sing a gospel. We must dance the juba. We then go tell it on the mountain. And so it is. So this is written and choreographed by Tristan and also performed by him as well. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be great. Um, it's going to be at the North Star Church of the Arts as a prelude to his residency at Duke University's uh, lab, uh, which is going to be in May. So if you want to see like this work in progress, you go to the North Star Church of the Arts in Durham, North North Carolina. That's going to be March 23rd. Um, tickets are 10 to $20. I believe it's on a sliding scale. Um, so anywhere from 10 to $20. Uh, get your life. If you're in North Carolina, please go support that work. Support Black excellence, queer excellence. Tristan's amazing. He is such a character. So you'll love it. Also, I want to shout out my old high school, Nashville School of the Arts, woo woo, and particularly their choreography program, which uh, is directed by the wonderful Stacy Floodpop. They are having their shows coming up. By the time you hear this episode, I believe it'll be the day of the Choreography (laughs) One show. But the Choreography One show is March 19th. Um, They have two shows, one at 4 p.m. and one at 7 p.m. And that's going to be at Nashville School of the Arts in the Artist Lab. Um, And then the Choreography Two show, which is uh, three choreographers choreographed 75 minutes worth of work their own show choreographed and produced it so they came up with the concepts they did their own research they did their own lights their costumes put a cast of dancers together they did it all and these are high school students so they're 17 18 years old they just have stacy and sometimes me you know guiding them along the way but Basically, they're doing this shit on their own and they're amazing. Um, So their shows are going to be April 9th through the 14th. And I believe they'll probably have two different shows each day. Um, So you'll have multiple opportunities to see all three of their works. And I have had the pleasure of, you know, seeing previews of their stuff and they've got some good stuff y'all so go support them and then as usual um found movement group we're putting on our show march 28th through the 30th um we talked to kaylin last episode about the process so if you haven't listened to that episode go to that episode five hear all about it um but yeah our show is going to be march 28th through the 30th i just had a wonderful conversation with Kaylin this morning. Again, we were, you know, kind of brainstorming a piece that she just added. 
for the show. Yes. So I'm a little, uh, we're a little like freaked out, but it's, it's a good freak out. And just like talking with her and brainstorming with her, it rejuvenated a lot of excitement that I have for the show. So you want to make sure to get your tickets for that as well. If you're in the Nashville area, um, if you are a professional dancer, I think we're having an industry night on Thursday where you can get tickets for a reduced price. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me or reach out to found on Instagram to get more information on that. And that's all I have. For nice. Nice. Um, so I have two pages to follow for my shameless plug. My absolute favorite. What? Favorite. <laughs> Valencia Clay, um, Valencia underscore Valencia on Instagram. Um, just a great person to follow. She's a teacher who's very open about her work in her classroom and differentiating learning, but also navigating her mental illness and just life in general and how that ties into her classroom. Um, and then a, a page that I actually found through her is a teacher self-care conference. That's literally the name of the page on uh, Instagram, teacher self-care conference. And it's literally what it says, a conference about self-care for teachers. Um, and so they go to different places and have workshops, um, teacher, teacher empowerment workshops, seminars, focus on self-care. Unfortunately, I missed the Chicago one because I had something else going on and I'm still upset about it, but it's okay. Um, but you just have to pay attention, pay attention to that page because they post as they go, like whether, where they will be going. So the only thing they have up so far is that they'll be in Miami sometime this month. I don't know if that passed already. Um, and then the next stop is Atlanta, which is in what's six. This is March, April, May, June. <laughs> yes. I'm like, what is 06, 2019? <laughs> uh, June of this year, they'll be in Atlanta. So follow that page if you are an educator looking for, um, you know, some more resources. And as usual, follow us on social media on Twitter at Misfits Mystics and Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod. Be sure to talk to us, ask us questions, share with your friends, and, um, Let's just love on one another. Yes, all of that. Well, uh, do we have a closing selection since you didn't like my opener? <laughs> we do. So my closing selection is a little different today. Um, I am paying attention to my voice and my body and recognizing that my voice is not there right now. So I'm going to close with Lord is Coming by her because I learned this Ooh. entire piece of poetry because I choreographed to it for my dancers and so I had to learn all the words so I'm gonna give you all a little poetry today here we go <laughs> I might mess up I know I'm probably gonna mess up on the same part yeah. I always mess up on it's okay <clears throat> okay every day I pray for mankind we're all slaves to a generation socialized and sicknesses in the mind. We are habitual thinkers, substance abusers, and habitual drinkers. But free your mind because the plug is watching from the top floor, hoping you too will fall for the illusions of a temporary high. What we think we need to get by, but 
are we really trying when kids are dying and depression is trending? Are these the signs of an Armageddon? We're all in denial. And it's all cool until you're suicidal. We never learn from our so-called idols. We're just repeating the cycle. So I never read the news anymore. It's hard not to feel hopeless when no one noticed the explosion came from a man whose legal gun was loaded. It's all watered down and sugar-coated. We voted, but did we really get to choose? We don't need proof that they separate us from the truth. Mothers and fathers are being separated from their youth and they're selling the American dream and what it appears to be. But they don't teach us that wealth is unattainable with their currency. History is not my brother's story. The original founders were buried deep in the ground where they planted seeds of disease, justified being thieves, feeding their inner demons and blaming the minorities. It's a World War III, corruption versus greed, not you versus me. But do we ever think of the need for inner peace? They can't put a price on your soul. No matter your religion, right and wrong is something everybody knows. They pick and choose what's equal, who's good and who's evil. And this is the devil's world, but the Lord is coming for his people. Ooh, <laughs> Slade. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> you did that, you did that too. <laughs> I was like trying to read the words in my head, but I got it. Shout out to her. You're see, you're great because I cannot. I struggle so much with like memorizing, like spoken word or like rap mm-hmm. or any type. You know, like verse. Yeah, and even like with songs, I'm like, <laughs> what's the words again? <laughs> so you did that, girl, because I show. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what a, yeah, and super relevant to everything that we talked about everything we have talked about on the podcast everything yeah. we will yeah, talk about for on sure the um, yeah that's actually one of my favorite tracks from her new uh uh ep so yeah shout out to her um listen to her <laughs> <laughs> she's the truth um yeah well Thanks for listening to us. Um, our energy, I think our energy was just right. Yeah. Um, for for what we were saying. And I, we, I hope that y'all get something out of it. Like she said, interact with us on social media. I'd love to hear uh, you all's experiences um, with mental health and teaching, if you're a teacher, or just like your job, period. Yeah. And um, how you manage. Don't forget. Yeah, how how do you manage? Like what share like some self-care tips with us because everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And don't forget to advocate for yourself, advocate for your health. Um don't take no bullshit from people. Period. Okay? And don't forget <laughs> it's Women's History Month, so love on some women. Um and I also just want to put this plug out there trans women are women so no transphobia okay thanks <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> you know I just wanted I just wanted to put that out there um that yeah when we say women I'm talking all women um but especially black women because yeah we don't give it enough love. So I love you. Love you all of the women, uh, <laughs> boys and girls, men and women, non-binary folk, everybody in between. So 
Yeah. Much love. Much love. Thanks so much. Hey guys, thanks again for listening to the episode. Like I mentioned in the beginning, we recorded this a week in advance, so a lot has happened since then. So we just wanted to take this time to acknowledge um, something that happened the other day, um, something very tragic. There was a terrorist attack, a shooting at a mosque in New Zealand and we just want to extend our prayers and love to the Muslim community, particularly those impacted by that attack. Um, I always struggle to find the right words when things like this happen, but I'm starting to think that there aren't any right words that can make it right. And I think what can make it right is for us to take a stand in solidarity to listen and care for our Muslim siblings and neighbors and to call out hatred and ignorance when we see it. We need to show up when we're needed and not just when it's comfortable. And particularly wanna say to my Christian family, we need to name and repent of our sin of perpetuating Islamophobia, particularly within the Western culture It is rampant, it is everywhere, and it is fueled by things like white supremacy. And we need to wield our privilege and power any way we can to speak truth to power against our leaders and our churches and our communities and our government that seek to spread these hateful messages that are poisoning the minds and hearts of many. And a lot of people are doing it in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, and That's not the message of Jesus. That's not the message of love. Islamophobia and any sort of religious intolerance is unacceptable. And it incites violence like this. And, you know, excuse me for getting a little a little fired up here, but I just denounce all of the bullshit right now. Seriously, come against all the principalities that seek to oppress the vulnerable and the marginalized. And may we be reminded that we are all part of the human family and that we are all worthy of respect and decency and the right to pursue abundant love that exists in the universe. There's no theology or doctrine or ideology that justifies what happened Uh, to the victims in New Zealand, and there's nothing that justifies any sort of violence that is incited by ignorant views and hateful messages that seek to oppress people because of, you know, what they believe or who they are. And I believe in a God of peace, unity, inclusion, and love. And I know for some of you that may sound a little naive or silly or whatever, but that's the truth I hold to. And it produces good fruit. And I believe it's the path to holiness and goodness. So I just pray for peace and love to just pour out to those impacted by this terrible tragedy and to all of those that are mourning, um, those that are grieving, those that are suffering, any type of persecution, oppression, intolerance. I know uh, many of you are afraid 
and I just you know I can't know fully what it feels to be afraid in this moment but I I empathize as much as I can and I, I stand with you and I hope that you are in a place or in a community uh, where you have someone to reach out to to walk with you through this through this difficult time and I hope that you know if you're listening to the podcast that you found a little bit of comfort and joy in the midst of this time and I still have hope that love conquers all in the midst of all of the craziness that's going on in the world um, if we just hold on and if we stick together and we stay hopeful and we keep fighting the good fight um, it, it's not in vain so I just wanted to acknowledge that again thank you for listening to the episode and we'll see you guys next week